Hello there, Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. I'm just going to back off where I'm trying to turn on Greg's you know mic what? and he's trying to turn it on too. I was actually not even touching anything. Really? Yeah, I was psyching you out. There we go. We're both here. Good afternoon, Brett. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday. It is Wednesday, yes. We uh we got off to a rough start today. Holy man. Like there are some things that just aren't allowed to happen. This is one of them. <laughs> We'd like to take you behind the curtain. I'm a big fan of special features, bonus features on DVDs and Blu-rays. I like to know how things get made. I like to know how the sausage is made. Well, today, Greg, <laughs> I get to work. Greg usually gets here a little bit before me, and he's got this look on his face. I can't find her calendar. We have one of those desk calendars that you get at Staples for like five bucks. Uh, but because... There's two of us. We don't keep it on one of our desks. We usually keep it sort of beside our desks or somewhere on the floor. I would call it neutral territory. <laughs> yeah, it's like Switzerland. And uh, we left it in a spot that I guess in hindsight probably wasn't smart. We left it right beside the recycling bin. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to feel sorry for us if you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what do you think's going to happen to it? <laughs> so the cleaners took it away. <laughs> Even though I've been sitting there for, I don't know, about a month in that exact same spot. Anyway, if you want to see two grown men scrambling around, and I don't, Brett, your memory's much better than mine, uh, but we managed to remember all the people that we had booked for the rest of the week. And this week has been an unusual week for us because quite often we don't book a ton of our guests until the day of our show. But for whatever reason, the dominoes fell into place. And I guess that'll learn us for not booking our show so efficiently, right? You see, <laughs> we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. We're getting a little confident, a little cocky, shall we say, that we were uh, booking things well in advance. And then we got this nice curveball. I don't know who to blame, I guess, other than ourselves for leaving the calendar next to the recycling bin. So we don't have any advice out of this other than don't leave things that you don't want recycled next to the recycling bin. Yeah. That's our lesson of the day. And I suppose as well, I'm looking forward to finding out, to seeing, because at some point, you know what's going to happen now. Someone's going to show up here. That wasn't supposed to be here that we didn't think was coming. And they're going to say, and I'm going to walk out because it's already happened before, but now it's going to happen again where someone's going to show up and tell it, say they're here for the Mackling and McGarry. And I'll say, well, who are you? And, oh, yes, I, yes, that's right. I recall something about that. So, I suppose, uh, apologies ahead of time? Well, nothing worse than walking out into what we call the green room or the waiting area and having the mayor of Winnipeg sitting on the chair. Oh, boy. Oh, hi, Mayor Cates. How are you, sir? (laughs) Oh, good, Greg. How are you? Fantastic. What are you doing here? I'm here to spend an hour with you. Well, isn't that terrific? (laughs) Come on in. in. I guess we'll have some fun. I think it was filling in for Jeff or Richard at the time. And uh, anyway, that was uh, my mega embarrassing experience as it pertains to not remembering who is on your schedule. Uh, It's always nice when people point out your flaws. I bumped into an old friend. I don't think I'm going to consider him a friend anymore. At the Jets game on Monday night and we exchanged pleasantries and then he patted me on the back. He says, I see you're as skinny as ever. What? Yeah. He was being facetious. Yeah, that's what he said to me. That's I not see very... you're as skinny as ever. <laughs> nice. 
I had a friend of mine say that to me like 10, 15 years ago. I'd put on some weight and he says, what are you working out? And he said, not really. And he says, I know, you just look like you packed on some weight. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Is that a friend or is that an enemy or someone that just doesn't have a filter? And it sort of ties into this whole thing that happened with Emma Watson over the weekend when she was doing a publicity tour. Well, this is what happened. Instead of me telling you what happened, here's the audio. Son and then a, a different version for my seven-year-old I'm daughter. I'm so sorry. Can I stop you? I'm so sorry. I would, you would do this for me and I would do this for you. You've got pen on your chin. And oh. I'm going to be so sad when oh. you see That's this. such a good... And I'm just, I just have to do this for you. <laughs> this is so exciting. <laughs> I just, I know what it's like to have something on your face. Amanda, have you got a little bit of concealer out there? Who's the rest? She just needs, I'm just where I've rubbed just a tiny bit of concealer. I'm red right now, yeah. On her chin. No, I'm so okay. sorry. You, know, like, no. you look very healthy. You, <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> That's embarrassed. So funny. No, don't be embarrassed. No, really no, no. Great. What was the question? <laughs> this was. This is the best moment and the worst <laughs> I have to say. Okay. <laughs> so I'm was, so sorry. The day Emma Watson did my makeup. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the best? <laughs> How sweet is she? So she's doing an interview. And notices the interviewer has pen on the chin. That's right. She's a, a reporter named Clara. And, of course, they do these pool interviews, right, where the stars of a movie will sit in a room for 9, 10, 11 hours straight. And then you come in from wherever you might be from, and you wait in line for your two or three or four minutes mm -hmm. with the stars of the movies, and you interview them. And it's a very long day for the actors. Oh, yes. And, of course, it's your one shot with these individuals. And then can you imagine you take this video, it gets beamed back to Australia or Mexico or Spain, wherever you're from. It's like, yeah, you have pen on your chin. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what do you, like, <laughs> you go all that way and you're not even going to be on camera for the interview that you did with Dan Stevens and Emma Watson for Beauty and the Beast. Your boss probably wouldn't be super happy. Be a great story. This story, even better than that. Emma Watson channeling her inner mother and saying, you know what, you've got that pen spot on your chin. Let's clean that up. She even calls over the makeup person to get it cleared up. And, uh, well, Clara, the woman doing the interview, it turns in a negative into a positive. And that got me thinking about the time at work. I'd been at this new job for about a week and an individual in my office was at my desk helping me with something and I noticed that she had, uh, as I said to her, puppies in the doghouse. <laughs> I said, uh, Kim, you have a couple, uh, you got a puppy in the doghouse. Yes. You're trying to well, dance around it. Yeah, well, I was trying to dance around it with her, too. I was trying to be polite. Anyway, she didn't talk to me for two weeks after that. Really? Yeah, so we were out for drinks, company outing, and I took her aside. I said, Kim, I said, um, did we get off on the wrong foot? Yeah. I said, oh? Do you remember the whole puppy in the doghouse thing? And I'm like, yeah, well, how could I forget it? Well, I can't forget it either. And I'm like... I was just trying to be helpful. Well, I have to confess, you are very nice, and I just thought maybe you were being rude, and, I, and she says, and I'd like to bury the hatchet tonight. 
<laughs> she'd had a couple of drinks, I guess, and realized that she was in the wrong. But she'd been mad at me for two weeks for bringing this up with her. Well, and, it, and we ended up being great friends after all was said and done. But, you know, I just. Would you want me just to leave it? Like you work for the vice president. Would you prefer he notice and not say anything or he notice and say something to you? Anyway, it was uh, one of the only times where I, well, it forced me to reconsider if I would ever tell someone that I didn't know super well whether or not they've got something in their teeth, flies down, boogers in their nose. Uh, It's made me really reconsider whether or not that's the right thing to do. Well, and that's why we want your opinion at 204-780-6868. Talk or text. We'd love to hear your voice, but if that is not possible at the moment, we certainly welcome your text messages. Again, at 204-780-6868. Would you want someone to tell you that you've got something in your teeth? Would you want someone to tell you that you have puppies in the doghouse or whatever? (laughs) Someone actually said that commented on my uh, Facebook I posted a really up-close selfie, and um, somebody said something along those lines. I don't think it was that, and I'll see if I can find it. But I had never heard it, and I thought, what? What What are you talking about? And then I had to get someone to explain it. Oh, okay. So I guess my... uh, You got something in your nose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I suppose my my nostril game was was solid that day or something, as the young people might say. But, uh, yeah, would you want someone to tell you? I remember going to a wedding about five-ish years ago. It was, I can't remember the hotel. It was somewhere near the airport. It's the one where the, the Chop Steakhouse is. What is that, the Sandman? Yeah, Chop as that Sandman. Yeah, I that's right. I think it was in that hotel. So anyway, um, I lived in St. Vitale, so I ended up taking, I, I got a ride there. That's a journey, man. And I took a bus home. Oh my gosh. I As I'm walking, so I'm walking uh, out from the bus stop to my home, I kind of feel sort of drafty. Like what is, and it was a summertime wedding, so it wasn't cold, but I felt a draft. And it, I felt a draft because I had split my pants not just a little bit, but like from the, the belt line all the way down my butt. And I don't know when this occurred. Oh, no. I don't know if it happened on the bus. I don't know if it happened after. I don't know if it happened at the wedding. I don't know. Oh, dude. And if it did happen at the wedding, like that's not just, uh, you got something in your teeth. That's Your pants are destroyed because you're fat. <laughs> so <laughs> well, how do you Because it doesn't episode? matter at that point. Like you just need to wrap a towel around the guy or the gal and just kind of usher them off. I like, yeah, don't be breaking out your camera and taking pictures. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it happened when I got on the bus, but I don't know, but it would have been (laughs) anyway, 204-780. pants. Yeah, it was really, uh, it was really spectacular. It was uh, also a wake up call that I needed to lose some weight. 204-780-6868. What would you like someone to do if you found yourself in a situation where maybe you had something embarrassing going on like that, whether it was your nose or something in your teeth or something on your clothes. Your or, fly is down, your slip is showing. You're at, a, you're at a social and someone put a piece of salami on your shoulder. Oh, the salami shoulder, Tristan Field Jones. 204-780-6868. We also managed to get a pickle in his pocket at the last social we were at. 204-780-6868 is the number to call or text. We'd love to hear your feedback. 
Your forecast is up next. Mackling and McGarry. It's uh, 121 on this uh, brisk March afternoon. So much for golfing on the day before St. Patrick's Day, McGarry. Not going to happen, my friend. Yeah, well, I knew it wasn't going to happen, so I have not been holding out hope. I'm holding out hope for April 20th. Would like it to be sooner, but I don't think so. Why April 20th? Why is it just, is that a pool you're having? Just that name, just a date that came into my head. I think we should have a pool in the the newsroom. Maybe we could have with our listeners. Pick the day that the first golf course in Manitoba opens. Tony is at 204-780-6868. We've been talking about whether or not you would want to know... If you had something in your teeth, something on your face, what would you? How would you, what would your reaction be if somebody told you, Tony? What would you think? Um, well, I'm a I'm a teacher, actually an instructor, and uh, fairly new at this. But if uh, if I had something wrong with me, with my clothing, with teeth, or anything like that, I would really want somebody to uh, tell me. Um, they. Uh, it has happened where an embarrassing situation, departmental meeting, where bright green underwear, zippers all the way down, and uh, first time meeting everybody. It was a good introduction. <laughs> well, certainly a memorable one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice to meet you. Oh, yeah, you too. Okay, yeah. Well, oh, how about that? So it's uh, time to go. <laughs> Tony's now known as the Green Lantern. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Tony. <laughs> that's a that's a way to make an impression, I tell you. Well, at least it wasn't uh, the Green Arrow. Dave uh, sent a text here that says, definitely let someone know if they are unaware of a flaw in their appearance. They will understand sooner or later best intentions. And that, I think, it ties in with the, the damaged pride. I think that it almost, there's it's human nature. You, you're embarrassed. And sometimes you might... Act out in anger at the person who tells you, like this person that you mm-hmm. talked about in your employment, your last place of employment. I'm totally blind, but when my husband and I were at Disney World, we were sitting and resting, and I guess this larger woman went by. She had a little tank top on, and her um, breast was sticking out, and uh, a finer point as well, and it was hugely, hugely busy. So I said, someone should tell her, especially her friend that she was with. My husband said, I'm not telling her. (laughs) I had to clean that up a little bit, too, on the fly. Thank you, 780-6868. Here's another text from Quinn. Hey, guys, got me thinking when you were talking about the split, split pants I was at a wedding and I split my pants. I'm not sure if it happened at the wedding or on the way home. Anyway, uh, the text says from Quinn, it's funny because when you don't know that something embarrassing has happened to you, are you embarrassed? No. So why do we have to be embarrassed when we do know? Everyone has been embarrassed sometime in life. Why do we get embarrassed? Is it because we care what other people are thinking? Of course it is, but no one is perfect, and one person should not judge another person. I realized that after I went from fat to fit, 350 pounds to 190 pounds. Wow, good for you. I still to this day at the gym get embarrassed when I sweat, but I swear because I'm running on that treadmill like a madman, people shouldn't judge, don't be embarrassed. It happens to everyone. Right on, Quinn. You are the man. And I uh, didn't realize that you'd 
so successfully conquered uh, your weight issues. Uh, congratulations on that, man. We appreciate your text messages uh, even a little bit more now. You're a loyal listener and a loyal texter. I'm a teacher who works with adults, and I would definitely want to know if my fly was open or something was on my face. I would rather be embarrassed for a few minutes than spend the whole class not knowing. I laughed at the puppy in the doghouse story, even though I do not know what that reference is. And that's bats in the bat cave. Yes, that's what uh, <laughs> that's what was on my Facebook. And that's what Ryan uh, texted as well to say it's the bat in the bat cave. Talking about uh, your, boogers. Yeah, you're <laughs> <laughs> let's just call them what they are. They're boogers. Brent says, let them know. Best thing I've found is saying, my friend, you have something in your teeth. Saying my friend brings their guard down. It's mm. an interesting suggestion. It is. They're, they're, I think the danger in that could be could go the it could go the other way. If you say my friend, it could almost sound like uh, you're trying to. I don't know if the what the word would be, but you're trying trying to pamper them so they feel better about it. And right, then, right. And then they would just feel. I, I I could see myself being more embarrassed. Yeah. You, or or angry. Oh, excuse me, my friend. Do you have something in your teeth? Yeah. Well, excuse me while I punch you in the nose, <laughs> Brett. I think they're just trying to help you out. I work as a receptionist at a rather large company. One day I had eaten a blueberry muffin. When I went to the washroom, half through the day, I saw pieces of blueberry on my front teeth. For all the people I had interacted with since eating the muffin, I wish someone would have pointed it out. I promise I would have pointed it out. And I think we've come to the conclusion that it's the humane thing to do, Brett. Is to point it out. It's a little awkward. And it could cause some strife and some awkwardness, but well worth it. It is 127 on 680 CJOB. Global News is coming up next. 133 Wednesday afternoon. He's Brett. I'm Greg and joined in studio by a very inspirational family. They have kind of become friends of mine over the years. They are the Gobiles. Addison. Say hi, Addison. Hi. And Bryn. Hi. And mom and dad, Ashley. Hello. And Bryce. Hello. Nice to see you guys again. Thanks for coming in on this Wednesday afternoon. Girls, are you not supposed to be in school right now? We are supposed to be in school, but we're not going today. Well, we did, but we're staying back now. Well, Addison, is it is it fair to say that, that coming to see me and Brett, you would actually miss school? What a hardship to miss school on a Wednesday when it's so cold outside. My goodness. We've known each other since you were, what, about four or five years old, right? Yeah. So we're buddies, right? Yes. You, you like to raise money for the St. Boniface Hospital, you and your sister. Can How much can you tell us about your story? How long did you spend in what they call the NICU, the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit? I spent five weeks, and Brent, and Brent can tell you how much she spent. Uh, one day. One day. So we have five weeks and one day combined in the NICU. And Ashley, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your experience at the NICU. Well, I mean, nobody expects to have a baby come early. And when they do, your whole world kind of gets flipped upside down. Um, You get told a whole bunch of information all at once and everything happens super quick. And all you've got to basically rely on are the health experts and the doctors and the nurses at the hospital and you you sort of go on what they say and really never know exactly what's going to happen so we were just you know our whole world was basically tossed like a salad all of a sudden we 
we just are so thankful for the support uh, that we received at the hospital and the help and assistance that we had throughout our journey there, really. uh, Sorry, Brett, go ahead. I was just going to say, any idea as to why uh, Addison was five weeks early? They didn't really have any information for us, just that she was coming, she was coming quick, I wasn't going to get discharged from the hospital, and basically that was going to be our home for the next little bit until she was ready to come home, home with us. Bryn tried to come out three months early, and they managed to keep her in there, and she popped out more like a month early, so... Well, you both seem like very hospitable people. Ashley, I don't understand why the girls were in such a rush. Maybe they just wanted to make their way into the real world and, and out with everybody really quick. But Bryce, as, as a dad, how difficult was it to see Ashley go through what you're going through? And had you ever even heard of the NICU before you had gone down this journey? You know, not really. Experiencing it firsthand and, and being at the NICU and with the people there, um, you, you know, it, it was, it was difficult, but they made it a good experience, it, especially with having our first child. It was like uh, being at baby school, you know, they, they really get you involved and teach you hands on what's going on there. The, the nurses, the staff, the equipment, the, everything there is just outstanding. And, and generally if a baby makes it to the NICU, they, they're going to make it all the way through that. That's really a testament to what those people do there. And Bryce, sorry, you, you you said that Bryn tried to come out three months early, and and the, the hospital was able to prevent that. I've never heard of that. How did they How did they <laughs> stop that from happening? Well, uh, Doctor Awadala, I believe, was yes. the one that was involved with us, and and because uh, first baby comes early, there's higher risk for the next one to come early, and they don't really know why, but that's what it is. And and with the right combination of, of medicine and rest, but not total bed rest, but uh, off her feet a lot. Ashley did the right things to keep baby number two in there incubated long enough mm-hmm. to, to to make it happen. So on this show, we like to tell stories of people who have, you know, gone through something that's been trying. It's been uh, an experience that you don't anticipate having. But the Gobiles have very distinctly decided that uh, their thankfulness is going to translate not only into funds for St. Boniface Hospital, the foundation and the NICU, but this is a learning practice and a, and a learning experience for your girls, Ashley, to be grateful and to show gratefulness and to return something back into the community. You're, you're raising incredible citizens. Oh, well, thank you so much. It, it all really started with Addison looking through that photo album at four Um asking questions, saying, why do I have all these tubes attached to me? What can I do to help? I want to give money from my piggy bank to make these babies feel better. And right from that opportunity there, um, you know, I was in tears. I spoke to Bryce about that later on in the evening, and we both said, how can we not use that as a teachable moment for our children and and go with that and roll with it and, and help out and fundraise and give back to a place that basically gave us our daughters. Addison, can you remember looking at those pictures, the time that your mom's talking about? Yes. What do you remember about those pictures? I remember when I saw mom in one of the pictures and I figured out that that was actually a video. Isn't that something? Now, how small were you when you were born? Do you remember? Um, Do you know? I was... Four pounds? Four pounds. Wow, that's tiny. 
I know how tiny that is. And so when you can see yourself next to your mom or your dad in those pictures, do you realize how small you were? Yeah. Yeah. And Bryn, do you have pictures like that too? Or have you seen the pictures of Addison when she had all the tubes and everything in her and around her, like her nose and everything? Do you, do you, do you remember seeing those pictures yourself? No. No, not so much? So what do you do? What do you do to raise money, Addison? How do you how do you give back? We do Epicure fundraisers last year. <laughs> we did a lemonade stand and we had a garage sale. Fantastic. So how much money did you raise? How much money have you raised over the years? Do you know? Are you keeping track? Yes. Okay, tell me the number. I want to know the number. Well, I know this year and we raised uh Really? Oh, my goodness. I had no idea the number was so big. Good for you. So that's uh, quite an effort on your part. My goodness. So, I mean, I know you guys aren't running a tote board at home, but I'm kind of in my head since I've known you. That's that's several thousand dollars over five or maybe closer to $6,000 over the years. And and it's nice that the girls are getting older now where they can contribute, where they were doing their own paintings and their own crafts and, you know, really getting more involved with helping on, on the fundraising efforts and the things that we were selling. So it's fun. It's a fun family thing we do together. Addison, why, why is it important to help uh, other babies? Because it helps them survive and it provides health and care for the hospital. And... Could you maybe, did you want to invite uh, people right now to to make a donation? Yes, I would. And I would would like to invite you to buy tickets for the St. Boniface Lottery. Oh, wow. That sounds like a good idea, Addison. I didn't know you were going to do that. Have you seen me on TV talking about that? Yes. You have? That's good. I was talking right to you when I made that commercial. You know that? What about you, Bryn? What are you going to do? What's your fundraiser going to be? Are you going to be making some paintings this year? What are you going to do? You haven't figured it out yet? Uh, I think I'm going to do pastel drawings, maybe some paintings. That is absolutely awesome. Do you guys want to say hi to anybody at your school? Bonjour de tous les mes amis et les professeurs à l'école centrale. Oh, my God. Really? That's where I went to school. There we go. You see? It's a great community we have going here. I love when things like that happen organically. That's ex- Sorry. Uh, forgive my uh, enthusiasm. I, I heard the French immersion, and then I thought, I wonder if it's going to be a cold central. So that's really neat. Uh, should we pause for our forecast? I think we'll do that, and then we'll wrap up our visit with our friend, the Gobiles. Uh, they're here in studio. We've got Bryce, Ashley, and Bryn and Addison. We're talking about life in the NICU and giving back to the community, showing your thankfulness on this Wednesday afternoon. He's Brett. I'm Greg. Coming up to 147... Mackling, McGarry, and the Gobiles in studio. Addison, Bryn, Ashley, and Bryce joining us. We're talking about giving back to the community. And uh, Bryn, why were you talking so much during the commercial? You were just going on and on and on. And then when I want to talk to you on the radio, you just sit there with that pretty smile of yours. Just nothing to say. What school do you go to? <laughs> are you take Are you taking Francais as well? Yeah. You are? Fantastic. 
So we were talking in the break about the fact that that's not the only fundraising efforts that you've been undertaking uh, for the NICU at St. Boniface, but also, are you building a new playground at your school, Bryn? Yes. What, are, what, kind, what kind of stuff is it going to have? Uh, I think it's going to have a climbing thing. Nice. And it's too, too cool, twisty thing. And like a cool, twisty slide yeah, or no, something? like this twisty thing that I think you're supposed to climb on. Fantastic. Addison, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to these key things in the play structure that we're going to be playing on. That's fantastic. That's Sounds cool. better than the rusty nail uh, playground stuff we used to have when I was at Ecole Central. <laughs> <laughs> so, good for you. If you're just tuning in, we had a revelation that uh, that Bryn and Addison and I guess Ashley and and Bryce all went to Ecole Central. So I'm the odd one out in this situation. Like? Kind of cool to know that you guys all uh, come from the same hood. It's a Winnipeg thing, right? <laughs> uh, you have to ask a couple of questions and figure out where everybody's from. And oh my goodness, look what we have in common. It's a small world. Uh, I learned uh, during the break that uh, Bryce Gobey here graduated from Collège Trudeau in 99, which is four years after me. Are you a Trudeau grad as yes, well, Yes, 2000 actually? for me. 2000. So that, yeah, look at that. You're... It's Transcona, uh, all, it's, what, how many, one, two, three, four, six of us against one of you? Yeah. You didn't know you were hosting a reunion. I didn't know, and it's only five, Brett. <laughs> I know, my math is terrible. Yeah, it is. It's, I, uh, I was good at math in school. Once I graduated, it all disappeared. Five to one, six to one, it doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, just this idea of giving back and, and contributing to the community that you come from. Bryce, was that the way you were raised to, to, to give back, or is this something that's been a revelation for you since you've become a dad? Uh, well, definitely since become becoming a dad, you know, our, our parents, I think both for Ashley and I, always encouraged those kind of uh, behaviors in us. But it, sad to say, it was it was really Addison. I think she was like three at the time who was teaching us a le- lesson about uh, philanthropy. So so we, we had to roll with it. She kind of inspired us. Well, it's nice when kids take leadership, eh, Brett? You know, uh, uh, the younger generation gets a hard time sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's the media leading the way on that. And uh, I just... <sighs> I don't see it. I really don't. We're going to visit with a young entrepreneur uh, later on in the program. And I just think young people are doing some things that you and I at that age never even imagined. Uh, look at Brendan Addison here. I, I, I can remember doing a play one time. I think we raised $8 for the Variety Club, <laughs> the Jerry Lewis uh, telethon. We did a, a, a play and a lip sync thing in the basement in our friend's uh, basement next door. We invited a few people. But, you know, the philanthropy thing, these kids can do incredible stuff. I don't like the fact that I can't see you, Addison, so I apologize. There you are. So what else is what else have you got planned? We've got planned to make more paintings and stuff. Fantastic. What are your paintings of? Um birds on branches. Fantastic. It sounds great. Sounds really awesome. Um, rainbows. You're gonna make paintings of rainbows? Yeah. Any double rainbows in there? Mm, yes. Okay, we'll be. That's a request, Brett. Maybe uh, you can buy uh, Bryn's double rainbow pastel painting. I would love to. Oh, this Mm -hmm. has been really cool to see you guys. So, um, I guess before we let you go, I want to know if you've been ever been back to the NICU, Addison. Have you been back there since you were a little baby? No. No. 
Have you been in the hospital at all since you were a little baby? Yes. Yeah? And what do you think of the hospital? How do, how do the nurses and the doctors, how do they treat you all those times? They've treated me very good. Yeah. St. B actually has a harvest party where they invite NICU baby survivors back. And so girls attend that every year too. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a great celebration. Ashley, I know that uh, Jackie and I always felt as though the, the doctors and the nurses, the nurses in particular, really took care of us as much as they took care of the babies. They always made sure that we had some time to ourselves. And in fact, I'll never forget the the Thursday morning I walked in and one of the nurses said, we've decided that you guys are having the night off. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed in here between five o'clock tonight and midnight. And uh, we did. We went and took a night off. We were back in the NICU at 12.02, I think. <laughs> but the idea is that Absolutely. they really find a way to, uh, as Bryce said, have you involved, but also to make sure that you're you're well as well. Absolutely. They do a great job of taking care of you as well as your baby, for sure. Ashley, how do how does one make a donation to the neonatal intensive care unit? Well, it's very Very simple. All you would need to do is get in contact with the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation and you can donate directly right through them. Now, the uh, the five weeks that you spent uh, or that Addison spent in the the NICU, um, was there ever any any was she ever in any danger? Well, there were moments where heart rates would drop, monitors would sound, we would panic. Often those things would occur when she was feeding. Um, situations like that. There were scans that needed to be done to her brain. Um, They often do that with babies who are born prematurely to make sure that they don't have any bleeding in the brain. Uh, There was a cyst found on her brain in one of the early scans. So they did monitor certain aspects of of her life at the very, very beginning. Uh, Babies that are born early also have a severe risk of uh, RSV contracting that. So we had to get vaccinations for that once we were discharged from the hospital. So there's programs set up as well once the baby is sent home to make sure that you can keep the environment that you have your child living in as safe and germ-free as possible because, uh, you know, little things like a cold or viral infection for a baby that's fragile like that uh, can really pose a lot of health issues for them. My siblings used to give me such a hard time because I'd make them wash their hands. Before yes, they touched hand the, sanitizer. The, oh, it's like, here, guys, or go in the kitchen. And then right. it's like, oh, really? Yes. And it's like, yeah, really? <laughs> I don't think Addison rode in a shopping cart till she was about a year old. It was <laughs> it's, it's funny how it For changes, sure. right? Because I, I would never, even to this day, call myself a germaphobe no. or anything like that. But when you go and you have to wash your yes. hands for 60 seconds and put Absolutely. the gown on and all that stuff, just to go and see your baby, it gives you a whole For new sure. perspective on how uh, fragile on their lives can be a hundred percent and mm-hmm. the effect that germs and the virus can cause it's uh, quite overwhelming well you guys overwhelm me you blow me away every time i see you're getting so big girls thanks sure. for taking some time to come and visit with us we appreciate it we love coming well i'm Aww. glad that's so nice of you to say <laughs> that's addison and Bryn. you want to say goodbye Bye. And that is Bryn and Bryce and Ashley Gobiel. They uh, are parents of Ashley, or pardon me, of Addison and Bryn. 
And Addison and Bryn have been doing fundraisers since they were absolutely little girls, although they still are. But last year they raised over $3,000 to help return some of the gifts that they received while spending time in the NICU. And they are turning into little community leaders. And I just wanted to take some time to, to honor you guys today with all the work you're doing. And thank you on the air because I think it's super special and you deserve to be recognized for that. Keep up the good work, girls. Once again, once again, if you want to donate to the uh, St. Boniface uh, Foundation, just go to stboniface.ca slash foundation and you can find the information there. If you want to make a donation to the NICU, it's through the foundation. Did you want to plug the lottery while we have 30 seconds, Greg? Yeah, you know what? Just go to stbmegamillions.ca uh, and you get your tickets there. A lot of people want to know why do hospitals have lotteries. They have lotteries so that they can have all the little extras to make sure that the things like the incubators and the, and the sleep chairs and some of the extra things that might not otherwise be in the budget are affordable and it's through generosity of people like the Gobiles and like people who support the lottery. It allows uh, these things to be purchased ahead of time. It is 157 on 680 CJOB. The news is up next. I know it's International Women's Day. Yep. Women's Day or Women's Day? I would say Women's Day. Women's Day? Yes. we're doing a terrible, terrible job of celebrating that, but I think that that's the point, is that on a day like today, I don't think we need to go out of the way to celebrate women because I think there are so many women doing such incredible things that we highlight all the time on this program. I am so blown away by the incredible guests that we have, uh, the fascinating people. I'm trying to remember, this is off the top of my head, you're really good at this stuff. Remember we had that uh, woman who travels around the world, she does the photography under the water, uh, like, oh, they, uh, she calls herself an aquanaut. Well, your memory's better than me on that. That yeah. rings a bell, but you're right, I do Aquanaut. Anyway, I, I, I just, in passing and in specificity, wanted to acknowledge International Women's Day uh, because it is a day, but we don't have any really any extra special programming around that on our program this afternoon. And uh, like I say, I think that's a really good sign when you don't have to go out of your way to to celebrate equality. I think in our country, we're, we're very fortunate to, to uh, have uh, women doing some of the toughest jobs there are. And uh, I will tip my hat to uh, all the women out there who, who fight for those opportunities for their fellow woman, uh, women and uh, fellow man as well, because there are lots of men out there who are also um, do, doing jobs that they're overqualified for, that aren't, they aren't getting paid uh, properly for. And it sort of ties into our next segment because men are definitely finding their softer side and they're also taking care of themselves in a way that's traditionally been known or been traditionally a way that women take care of themselves. Brett, is that fair to say with our mannies and petties? Well, you've heard uh, the term metrosexual now for the better part of two decades, really. But, uh, you know, I think at the time it was almost something that was that was sort of regarded it was, it was a term, it was popular, but I, th- I still think that it had a stigma to it or that it was frowned upon. But clearly the, the, the movement, it's not, re- I don't think that term really is used anymore because it's, maybe it's also a, something that is unnecessary because guys are just, as you said, they're finding their softer side. And one of those examples came in the form of an email that was forwarded to me by one of our colleagues about a nail salon for men that's opened up in Winnipeg. 
It's called Blacksmith Parlor Nails for Males. Stephen Zacharuk is the owner of Blacksmith Parlor, a nail salon for men. We spoke with Stephen today and asked him, how did you come up with this idea? Well, I guess... Um I grew up working on cars as a hobby, um, <clears throat> and then I went to school uh, at Red River, took civil engineering, and so I so I found myself working in the office during the day, and in the, in the evenings I was a hobby mechanic. So uh, going to work the next day, I noticed that my hands were always dirty. So I I tried to look for a place that that you know can clean that up, and there really after looking into it, there wasn't really anything like it around, uh, not even Winnipeg, but even Canada wide, like a nail salon just for men. A lot of nail salons do have men packages and stuff like that, but uh, but having a spot that's catering for men, like a man cave style of a place, there wasn't really anything like it. Well, and there seems to be this trend towards men being a little bit more comfortable with going and, and getting their hair done on a regular basis. Barbershops are, are kind of having a renaissance. So you've capitalized on this in a big way. And talk about why, where you open and why did you decide to open there? Yeah, so that, yeah, you're right. The men are starting to take care of themselves more than they did before. Barbershops is a huge thing. Guys, you know, make sure their hair is looking good all the time uh, and that. So it is definitely something that, that guys are focusing more on. And uh, so, yeah, we're we're at 289 Gary Street, uh, right in the Shed District, a uh, couple doors down from Portage. Uh, I picked this location because originally I thought, you know what, let's... let's uh, the, my client demographic would be, I guess, business professionals, this and that, where they can come in on a lunch hour, get their nails done, this and that. But later I found uh, we've been open for about four weeks now, uh, and I found that uh, we've been getting all types of clients in, uh, you know, students uh, ranging up to seniors, so from construction workers, um, everything. So it, it's, it's, it's really cool that, that all types of men are actually coming. So safe to say that you're even surprised by who's <clears throat> taking taking uh, this to the next level? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. Yeah, we we're all really surprised. But a uh, big thing too, wives and girlfriends. You know, push their. A lot of guys are like, oh, I wouldn't go if it was just me. But their wives and girlfriends are like, no. Like when you take your socks off, like you need to get your hands done, your feet done. <laughs> so that we've seen a lot of that. Have you met any resistance from guys? Anybody who says, ah, real men don't do this kind of stuff? Yeah, well, actually, a lot of my friends, you know, I, I'm, you know, big in the in in the car scene here in Winnipeg, and I and a lot of my friends, you know, they're the car guys, you know, always working on this and that, and they're like, oh, I'll never go, never go, and then you know, I I you know, kind of twist their arm, make them go, and then after they're like, wow, like this is like the best, but like I don't care if this isn't like whatever, this is actually like cool, you know. So they've been telling everyone, yeah, this is the best place to go. The, the typical guys that you would never expect to go. So that's really good. So is that the bottom line? It's actually cool to do this. Right. And that's, uh, well, yeah, it is cool, but also the health benefits from getting your hands and feet done is, is huge too. So, um, you know, we, you can tell a lot by a, by a person's health, by, by the way their feet are and stuff like that. So, so getting your feet done and your hands done, you know, we can monitor that and, and it's, yeah, a huge health benefit. How can you tell someone's health or tell, or learn? about somebody's health from how they take care of their feet? 
Well, it just um, like like you know the arches in their foot and and stuff like that, and and the way they stand, the way they they walk, that that sort of thing. Also, um, you know, a lot of a lot of guys have problems with you know, I guess toe fungus, ingrown toenails, that sort of thing. We can we can fix that and also monitor it every time you come in just to make sure it's not getting worse or better and that sort of thing. Stephen Zacharuk is our guest. He is the owner of Blacksmith Parlor Nails for Males. Downtown Winnipeg. What's the address one more time? Stephen? 289 Gary Street. 289 Gary. That's south of Portage Avenue. Yes. Yeah. As you said, in the heart of the Shed District. Yeah. And this is uh, something that I think is long over overdue, never mind whether it's in been in Winnipeg before or across the country, uh, men really want to take care of themselves and talk a little bit about the environment that you've created there. So when you uh, so we went with this rustic industrial look inside uh, and we wanted to make it seem like you're walking into a blacksmith shop sort of thing so it's it's we have barnwood walls um red brick red brick walls like very rustic floor we have wood beams horseshoes that sort of thing uh so that's i guess the the look we went inside and that we have we have big leather armchairs that uh, that our guys sit on when they get their services done. We got rid of the the, the typical pink spa chairs and jet tubs because uh, we, we we wanted to make it more manly. We wanted to make it seem like you're sitting in your living room uh, in a big leather armchair. We have personal TVs with headphones so you can watch the game. We're also licensed so you can have a scotch, beer while you're watching our service or while you're getting your service done, watching TV, watching the game, whatever it is you, you you'd like to do. Do any women come in? Um We've had we've had uh, some women come in. We don't say no to women. We don't offer colored polishes, uh, so we just have clear clear coats and that sort of those coatings. Um, but w- yeah, we won't say no to women. But you know, women have hundreds of nail salons in the city. We only have one, so let us have our one <laughs> salon. <laughs> Stephen Zacharuk is the owner of Blacksmith Parlor Nails for Males. It's a nail salon for guys. It's at two eighty nine uh, Gary Street, and we will. We'll continue our conversation with Stephen after your forecast on 680 CJOB. Talking about a nail salon for guys. There is one in Winnipeg. It's only a month old. It's called Blacksmith Parlor. Stephen Zacharuk is the owner. This shop, Nails for Males, located at 289 Gary Street. So, Stephen, you're a young guy. Yeah. What led you to taking this from an idea into a business? And what was the process for you? Um, I, you know, I've always had an interest in business and I've always wanted to start something on my own and, and I guess open something up from the ground up. So it was just, uh, I guess it was just time for change. So I decided to, to jump on it and here we are. I mean, you've got to get people on your side though. I mean, you got to get financing, you've got uh, probably a landlord to convince yeah. that you're going to be around for a while. So you know, the process of pitching this to different people to get their support, whether it was financial or otherwise, had to have been an extensive process, no? Yeah, no, it, it was. Uh, one point, like, uh, being a young entrepreneur, there's so much stuff out there. There's so many grants, uh, 
I guess, uh, funding resources for any young entrepreneur starting a business. So that's whether it's through the uh, province of Manitoba, Futurepreneur, Young Entrepreneurs Manitoba, Government of Canada. There's lots of there's lots of that stuff available. So it makes it actually really easy for for you know young business owners to start up and uh, trying to convince uh, convince people. It, yeah, it it didn't take it, it wasn't that much work. Like talking to when I was you know starting this up, talking to my lawyers, accountants, uh, landlords, all that. As soon as I pitched the idea, they all said, "Oh yeah, I get my nails done every two weeks." But now now I can go to a place just for me instead of sitting with all these women around feeling all awkward. So it uh, once once hearing that did definitely uh, open my eyes. That hey, do you know what? There's a lot more people than I thought that would uh, would take advantage of this. How old are you, by the way, Stephen? 26. Now, you mentioned a, a few times in there, young entrepreneurs. Uh, <clears throat> through these these applications for these various grants and what have you, I'm just curious if somebody listening to this uh, broadcast maybe isn't young but has an idea for a business, uh, do you have to be, is there an age limit for these grants that you were talking about? Do you know what? There, there's there's numerous ones out there. Uh, the ones that I focused on were for were for the young, I guess, young startups. But there's a lot of, there's like the Manitoba Biz Start program and all that sort of stuff that do cater for all ages. Uh, so th- there's, the, there's a, you know, a, at least, f- you know, five or ten different programs that you can apply for to get funding for entrepreneurs of all ages. So there's definitely lots out there. There would be a lot of people listening going, oh, come on, uh, Winnipeg's not cosmopolitan or something, <laughs> cosmopolitan enough for something yeah. like this. What would your response be? And I'm guessing that you've heard it, that we're not big enough to support something like this. Yeah, but do you know what? A lot of lot of startup businesses, like a lot of these niche businesses start up here in Winnipeg and then they expand, um, you know, Canada wide. Like I, I think Winnipeg's the best. And it, there's been articles about it. That Winnipeg is the best. Uh, place to start something like this because if, if if it can if it can survive here with with a lot of cheap Winnipeggers then it'll survive anywhere in Canada. Why do you is that why what you think it is? It's the fact that we are thrifty, <laughs> or is it that is it because there is so because we're cooped up for so many months in the year that uh, if we if you can create something that people will go to that then it can succeed anywhere else. Yeah, I agree. It's also, um, I think it's also, uh, Winnipeggers are very trendy and they, they like the new hip things. So that's definitely what gets a lot of Winnipeggers trying new things here. We're not scared to try new things because, yeah, we're cooped up uh, six months of the year. So, you know, we we like to... Everyone always says there's nothing to do in Winnipeg. So <laughs> find Winnipeggers now try to look for things to do. Well, anybody who says that isn't paying attention. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can be busy every day of the week, every evening of the week uh, for months at a time, and uh, then you'd have to press pause because uh, there just really is so much to do here and unique stuff. So let's walk us through a visit to Blacksmith Nails for Males. I'm coming in. What sort of services am I choosing from here, Stephen? So we have, we, we don't like to call our services manicures and pedicures. First of all, it kind of makes it seem girly and a lot of guys don't even know what the difference is between manicure and pedicure. So, uh, so we like to, we like to call them hand services, foot services, and then we have our hand and foot treatments. Uh, so yeah, we call them treatments. Um, 
So I guess when you walk in, we would uh, we would sit you down in one of our leather chairs. We would offer you a drink, one uh, one included drink with every service. So whether it's a scotch, whiskey, you know, coffee, tea, pop. Uh, so we'll, we'll get you a drink and we'll sit you down in a chair and then we'll one of our highly trained estheticians will will you know pamper your pamper your hands or feet or whatever it is that you choose are the staff these estheticians are they male or female they're all female right now do you do sort of special bookings yeah so uh one thing that we're going to be offering right away uh are bachelor parties and wedding parties so if you're getting married this summer you want to get all the guys down to get your nails done before the wedding or if you're booking a bachelor party uh you guys are say you know going paintballing or whatever you guys want all, all you guys want to come get your nails done have a few drinks before you head out on the town uh so we're definitely uh doing s- special bookings i've got a Dude with a beard on either side of me. <laughs> is there anything special that you do for beards? This has to be a pain in the neck for those of you that have have the facial hair going on. Yeah. So actually, we just uh, there's a there's a local beard company in Winnipeg called Beard and Brawn. Uh, so they cre- they make all natural beard oils, creams, all that sort of stuff made here in Winnipeg, all natural products. So we just started carrying them as, as a retail product and we're actually going to be bringing in all of their products into our services and we're going to offer uh, facials for men and beard massages. It's a new thing that's going around right now. Uh, so we're going to use their their products and and give men facials, beard massages and, and that whole thing. That's pretty cool. A facial massage. Yeah. How long do you have to have a beard of a specific length? No, no, you can have from stubble up to you know if you have one foot long. You know, it's they they have products for for all of that stuff. So, and we're also we're we're uh, just introducing waxing too for men. Within the next two weeks, we're going to be offering uh, back wax, eyebrows, that sort of thing. Anything that guys normally get, uh, pretty much from waist down, legs, that sort of stuff. Uh, by the way, do you have a website? Yes, we do. Uh, it is www.blacksmithparlor.com, and that's parlor, L-O-U-R. And we, for appointment bookings, uh, we can do everything online. You can go on there, book your appointments online. Stephen Zacharuk is the owner of Blacksmith Parlor. That's right. It's a nail salon for men, nails for males, located at 289 Gary Street. Sounds like a actually a... Pretty cool place. Sit and have a scotch while someone takes care of your nails. I think we might have to go check this out. This day has been full of surprises, Brett McGarry. First, our calendar goes missing with all our listing of guests for the next three or four days. (laughs) And um, what was my other? Oh, yeah, I got some bad news this morning. And uh, so that threw me for a loop. And now we're talking about... something called Dad Central, Dad Central Canada, and the representative here in Manitoba, Carmen Patterson-Payne, is a woman. (laughs) Carmen, welcome to the studio. Thank you. You didn't let the cat out of the bag (laughs) in all the emailing back and forth over the last three or four days. I was expecting an Italian man to come into the door and, and you, I don't know if you're Italian or not, but you're definitely, (laughs) you're you're definitely all woman. So welcome to 
Laughing <laughs> in the Gary. I was going to stop now before well, I step know, in it. Well, you know, it is International Women's Day, so. That's right. And we were taking pride in the fact that we weren't going out of our way to celebrate that today because, well, yeah. it was self-explanatory, right. right? Because, you know, things are pretty gosh darn good around here. So yeah. we, we didn't go out of our way to celebrate International mm. Women's Day. What is the deal? Why are you the Manitoba representative for Dad Central here in our province? Well, I, I think it had something to do with the fact that I was really eager um, and I had met an amazing uh, group of men who started Dad Central in um, in Hamilton two years ago at a conference, FRP Canada, so which is the Family Resource Programs of Canada's um, conference, and they held a pre-conference day with the um, Dad Central. Um, and I've always appreciated their work as a, as a family resource practitioner and um, I used to stalk Brian Russell, who um, may be on with us in, in a few moments. He's actually on the line right okay. now, so we'll, we'll, uh, I'll press the magic button okay. so Brian so, can, can speak for himself here in a moment. <laughs> Great. So whenever um, I would go to a professional development um, event, I would go to his workshops because I found his work so intriguing. So when they were looking for someone to um, take some training with their toolkit called My Dad Matters, and um, was looking for a Manitoba representative. You put your hand up. I put my hand up. Well, actually, they con- they s- might have had something to do with red wine too, but <laughs> <laughs> all my I best bad decisions no. involve red yeah, wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, an amazing group of men from BC and Alberta and, and Ontario, and I'm not the only woman on Dad Central Canada. So we have New Brunswick and Saskatchewan and Prince Edward Island as well. Oh, I think that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So Brian Russell is the provincial coordinator for Dad Central in Ontario. He does join us uh, via telephone now. Uh, Welcome to the conversation, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we're, we're really glad Carmen's part of this and it really took no bribery at all. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I jumped in with both feet, for sure. So, Brian, I understand uh, that there was the Canadian National Fatherhood Conference was held in Winnipeg last week. So what kind of stuff went on there? Well, that was a, it was a really good conference, uh, well, from our perspective, uh, an important thing. We, um, we focused on the situations that fathers find themselves in that might increase their vulnerability and marginalization and kind of, and kind of add some risk to their, to their fathering. So we looked at situations um, like, uh, like uh, young dads or domestic violence. Uh, we looked at incarcerated fathers and uh, Aboriginal dads, um, just really wanting to focus on the situations that affect parenting. It wasn't so much about parenting itself. Uh, it was more about understanding those those situations and just how how fathers and men deal with them uh, in the context of parenting as well. Being a father has changed a lot in the last couple of decades. There are so many, oh, absolutely, yeah. so many men who uh, stay home with their kids or are at home with their kids part time. And of course, the, the the divorce rate has changed how we parent our kids as well on both sides. Carmen, just talk mm-hmm. about the goals of Dad Central and, and why this organization exists in the first place. Well, um, maybe Brian could give you some more detail of the background of it, but in Manitoba, um, we are a support um, for um, practitioners. That's sort of my goal in, in Manitoba to, to um, I'm a provincial coordinator of a parenting program here called Nobody's Perfect. And so I have 300 facilitators who run the program um, and who are mostly women. 
And so because the nature of supports um, have been directed mostly for women, but we are noticing that fathers are wanting resources. They want information. And so how, as us, um, as family resource people, how do we engage them? How how do we get our resources? So that's why I said I used to stalk Brian because Dad Central has developed all these resources for dads, but for um, practitioners as well. And have most of these resources been traditionally aimed at women that maybe find themselves as single mothers or in certain situations where there's maybe not a man or the father of, of their children in their lives? Is, is that why these things uh, have evolved to a point where someone like you needs to help men coordinate to get involved and, and get access to some of these services? Oh, absolutely. Um, but uh, what you had mentioned before, that the nature of the families are changing. Sure. And uh, women are working outside the, the house um, full time. Dads are taking a more active role. Um, they're, they're taking paternity leave. And, um, like I said, they, you know, there, there are lots of groups like mommy and me and, um, baby yoga. And so those are the types of things that are sort of more geared towards women, but, um, they're, you know, we have to look at what we're offering and what barriers are we putting in place so that men can access the same supports. Well, and with that, I guess also as well, you know, in a, in a world now where it's common for, you know, for gay men to be raising mm-hmm. a child together mm-hmm. where it's a situation where it's two dads. Yeah. So if all the in- parenting information that's out there is geared mm-hmm. towards moms, that doesn't really help the no. two fathers. No, it doesn't. And, and even um, one of the things that we're looking at in Manitoba is that we're trying to get organizations to look at, like, when are they offering um, courses and, and classes and groups. Um, are they offering it during the day when generally mom is home on maternity leave and she can access it during the day? So just looking at those simple things as practitioners, can we offer an evening group? Can we offer a Saturday morning dad and me group? Um, as well as how do we advertise our programs? Do we have just pictures of moms? Um, Brian um, mentions that when um, dads hear the word parents, they sort of, they just think about moms, that that sort of mom thing. But so when we're um, developing pamphlets and things, uh, we need to be using the word dad so that dad sees that he he is um, just as important as mom. Brian Carmen has done an outstanding job of outlining some of the things she does here in Manitoba. How was Dad Central born? Uh, Dad Central really started in Ontario through some uh, funding from Health Canada back in the early 2000s. And uh, Health Canada at that point was seeing the significance of a father, father's involvement in uh, the healthy development of children. And so there, there was a correlation between the, the type of involvement and the level of involvement uh, that a dad had with his kids and uh, just how that child, uh, those kids were developing in, in many aspects of the child development spectrum, like physically, cognitive. Uh, emotionally, and uh, and so they started to look at or just wonder why that was happening, and uh, what are we doing to support that kind of that kind of effort? Because we know all that is affected by moms, but uh, traditionally we haven't really looked at how fathers influence those things. And so I guess it was about 15, 17 years ago that Health Canada wanted to start doing that, and so they they started uh, what is now Dad Central Ontario. And uh, so we've been around since then and uh, really focused primarily on the province. But in the last three or four years, it's been great to 
meet people like Carmen and, and some of the other folks across the country that are taking up the mantle in, in other regions as well. I can't help but think of the Oscar Award winner for Best Film, Moonlight, which, mm-hmm. of course, shows and highlights the importance of a, of a man in a child's life when he or she is younger. In the case of the movie, it's a young man. And just mm-hmm. that difference that a male role model makes, because it does take two parents, and I don't care mm-hmm. if it's two women, two men, or a man mm-hmm. and a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, it's critical that children have more than one uh, parenting influence. Yeah. What, do you, what do you say to that, Carmen? Yeah. Well, I'm actually running a dads and daughters group tonight. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Neat. And it's it, it's for that reason is that um, dads can offer something different than, than mom can. Um, not only um, dads tend to play differently with their children, um, they give them a sense of risk-taking and, and problem-solving, um, but the socialization and um, relationship building. So, for example, my dads and daughters group is um, – the little nine and, and ten year old girls is um, their first boyfriend is their dad. Like mm. they learn how to gauge relationships from their fathers. So. Brian, you want to expand on that before we uh, take a pause in a couple of minutes here? Uh, well, Carmen said it really well. I, I, I do. Uh, I guess one of the things that we we want to make sure we're not doing is. Uh, putting a divide between moms and dads mm-hmm. here. Like, that's not the point. Like, we're, what no, we're trying no. to do is, is really engage dads in the conversation of parenting and to bring their voice into what we're talking about. So sometimes we do get that pushback a little bit about, um, you know, are you, are you pushing moms away? Or are you saying that dads are better than moms? That kind of thing. And, and absolutely not. That's mm-hmm. not where it is. We're, 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 we're looking at, at what kids need and, and how to engage fathers into that conversation so that uh, kids have that, have, as, as well-rounded an experience growing up as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think as a practitioner, that's why I was a bit nervous at first as a woman to be representing Dad, Dad Central. But I think it's good to have a woman's perspective. Um, well, I think it's, it's critical yeah. to have both. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. voice that uh, without question. Why don't we take a pause? We will update the weather forecast. That's the voice of Carmen Patterson-Payne, Dad Central Manitoba, and on the phone joining us from Ontario, Brian Russell. He's the Provincial Coordinator for Dad Central Ontario. We're talking about the increasing importance and maybe the increasing changing role of fathers in their children's lives this afternoon here on 680 CJOB. He's Brett. I'm Greg. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling. We are talking about Dad Central Canada, which is a group of professionals whose work focuses on promoting father involvement in Canada. We are joined on the phone by Brian Russell, who is the Provincial Coordinator for Dad Central Ontario, as well as Carmen Patterson-Payne. She is in studio with us. She is a professional a Provincial Coordinator for Dad Central Manitoba. And I guess, Brian, I'll, um, I will start with you. And there's an interesting thing here on the subject of what you folks do uh, exploring what being a transgender dad means in today's world. So is that something that you folks uh, have been helping people deal with? Well, we hear about that a lot, and, uh, and we do, we are getting a lot more uh, questions about that. Uh, but to be honest, we haven't actually had the resources or, or the ability to really delve into that in terms of developing um, 
kind of best practices around that, or uh, or how to how to work with with those folks uh, that are that are um, in that situation. So, uh, no, I mean it sort of feels like it's on our radar and probably something that that we know we're going to have to be addressing, but we haven't at this point. Not directly. Brian, one of my parents divorced, uh, gosh, it's almost almost 30 years ago now. Um, it wasn't super common. I can name the one other kid in my classroom whose parents were not together. And now here we are where you might get 30 or 40% of the kids in a classroom whose, whose parents are, are still together or 30 or 40% of parents who are, are divorced, just depending on, on the classroom. But one thing that has changed over the years, as we mentioned, is father's involvement in their children's lives. But my observation would be that the courts haven't necessarily kept up with the times in terms of visitation and some of the rights of fathers. Is that something that you, you help fathers with along the way? Uh, we certainly work with dads or, or uh, that are in that situation. And um, there are a lot of men that struggle with that. So it, it absolutely is still an issue in, in many ways. Um, uh, I think things are are slowly shifting. I think there are more men that are uh, being seen as uh, good parents for their kids by the court. Like if I can put it that bluntly, I guess in some ways. Um, and, and decisions are being made where where the courts are are saying that dad needs to be part of this picture. And so, how are we going to make that happen? So you're right. A couple of decades ago, it was almost an automatic in terms of how the decisions uh, were made. Um, I think, but again, I think things are slowly changing, uh, but I know that there are a lot of men that uh, are not satisfied with the situation that, that they're in, that in some ways they've been handed uh, through the the, the uh, court system. Uh, so I think there is still some work to do in, around that for sure. And Carmen, I think there's a lot of men that could be considered the primary caregiver based on uh, the things that they do with and for their children, the logistics of, of parenting. It's increasingly becoming uh, not only split down the middle, but there are lots of examples where the man is the primary child mm-hmm. uh, caregiver. And and no question, no question. And I think as a, a woman, um, I've often reflected on how do we get the message to moms the, about the importance of dads and to quit gatekeeping. Um, and so that's sort of my interest is, um, you know, we, we need to educate moms on the importance of, of fathers in, in their children's lives. And there's um, some really exciting research out there that shows that um, children who have involved fathers will less likely become um, sexually active at an early age, they're um, less likely to become drug addicted or, or um, alcohol addicted. They stay in school. They do better in school if their fathers are involved in their lives. You use the term gatekeeping. Why did you mm-hmm. choose that mm-hmm. term? Well, and I, I think it comes from, you know, generational. Um, that, you know, mom was only considered the, the primary caregiver. And um, I think um, moms still have... And, you know, and I'm generalizing here, um, that sort of sense of, well, the children are better off with me because I'm mom, just because of the title of mom. And, and I think um, a lot of times moms feel that that's their main role, too. And so right. when they're not living up to the expectation of them as a mother, then in some ways they feel like they're letting their kids down or they're being looked down upon by other people. Mm-hmm. So I think moms feel that kind of pressure. And the, the gatekeeping uh, thing has been, I mean, that's been in the literature 
for father involvement for you know, for quite a few years actually, just talking about how moms are uh, one of, if not the most significant influencer on father's involvement with his children, whether they're together or not. It's still there, there's there's uh, things that moms can say and do that encourage that uh, that connection between dads and kids, and I think it's a, it's an important thing for moms to be reflecting on that, like Carmen's saying, just how how do I influence and support and encourage uh, dad's involvement with the kids? Well, and let's face it as well, it's incumbent upon both parents to model healthy relationships because that can become a pattern as well, right, Carmen? Mm-hmm. A healthy mm-hmm. relationship pattern or an unhealthy relationship pattern. Oh, for sure. Sure. These things are modeled and it's yeah. something that's critical. I think we could do mm-hmm. an entire program on relationship <laughs> modeling. And Brian, I think we could do an entire yeah. program, a uh, whole half hour or more uh, with regard to uh, men's rights and, and in divorce and the, and the changing face of that. But we've run out of time. Brian, can we reach out to you again sometime? Absolutely. Yep, you're always welcome to. Thanks for, thanks for giving me a chance to with you guys. We really appreciate mm-hmm. that. That's Brian Russell. He's Provincial Coordinator for Dad Central in Ontario and our new friend in studio, <laughs> Carmen Patterson-Payne, Dad Central, Manitoba. Thanks for the surprise, Carmen. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the work that you're doing on behalf of fathers here in Manitoba. It's, uh, it's much needed yeah. and much appreciated, I know. My pleasure. Global News coming up at 3 o'clock on 680 CJOB. It is 3.08 on this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, You're over the hump on your way to the weekend. If this is your first day off or maybe it's your Friday, thank you for working the odd hours that you do. We've got all sorts of workers in the healthcare field, frontline workers, retail workers that work odd hours. We always like to give them a shout out for doing what they do. We also like on this program, Brett, to bring to light and to introduce our listeners to organizations that they may have never heard of before, such is the case, I think, for a lot of us in the newsroom and for you and I, this is a brand new organization for, for both of us. It's called the Lymphedema Association of Manitoba. I think. Did I say that correct? I did? absolutely did. Okay. And they are hosting the 5th Annual Lymphedema Awareness Day Symposium this Friday and Saturday at the Deer Lodge Centre in Winnipeg. So we wanted to bring some attention to this ahead of this event. And we have Susan Stratford with us. She is president uh, and board of directors of the Lymphedema Association of Manitoba. Susan, welcome to our studio. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. What is lymphedema? Lymphedema is a chronic condition that involves swelling of a limb, typically. So I personally have arm lymphedema, so my my arm is a little bit uh, bigger than you would typically see, so it's a chronic swelling of the lymphatic fluid in in a limb, typically, but it can be legs, it can be arms, it can even be in the the head and neck area or or on your trunk, but it's it's more typically on the extremities. So do you find that there's a a common uh, connection or disconnection with lymphoma that that people like, they, they hear those two words interchangeably? Yes, and sometimes there is confusion for sure. And they both deal with the lymph system. So there is um, some connection, if you will. But lymphedema is, is not a cancerous condition. It is um, just a swelling. The lymph system is either faulty or has been damaged. So people can be born with lymphedema. So the system just actually doesn't work properly. Uh, it can start when they're very, very young. You can have kids with lymphedema or it can start as a, when an adult of that primary lymphedema or often anytime there's been trauma to the system. So uh, people who have had treatment for cancer can have uh, end up with lymphedema if their lymph nodes have been either removed or impacted through the therapies. 
the radiation therapy, for example, um, or severe trauma like a burn. Um, you may end up with lymphedema. Anytime those lymph nodes are impacted and damaged, lymphedema can result. It's a risk factor. Swelling of a limb, uh, mm. does it hurt? There's often a heaviness associated with it, um, and um, there can be some pain associated as well. It can also be just very limiting in terms of lifestyle. So you can imagine people with uh, larger leg, limp, leg edemas that have a hard time with mobility. Um, they have a hard time sometimes holding down jobs, right? So it, it can be very impactful to someone's life. So, Susan, it's uh, clearly your goal to raise awareness of this condition. And by having this conference this weekend, what are the goals? The goals are absolutely awareness. So more people, both within the healthcare community, but also in the general public and the population that know more a little, little bit more about lymphedema for sure. So grow some of that awareness about it and the impact that lymphedema has on individuals so we can get more support out there and, and uh, really educate people about what is, what is this condition? What can I, as someone who may have it, do about it, right? How do I care for myself? How do I take good care of my skin? All those kinds of things to avoid the um, um, some of the negative impacts that, that can occur um, but also just for people to to not feel alone right that's that's another big big part of it our Friday day is focused more on professionals so we have a number of nurses a number of specialized certified therapists coming in and they're really learning about lymphedema related to wound care and some of the other kinds of specialized knowledge that they need and Saturday's really focused on the patient and the caregivers and, and how can we take care of ourselves and, and uh, do the best we can for, uh, for our condition. As we learn with so many of our interviews and our conversations about different medical conditions, it's the patient is, is patient zero perhaps, but patient extends into the family. And of course, the exactly. caregivers are not exclusive to the healthcare system. That includes uh, the, the family members of the patient. So uh, exactly. if, if you're a, a sibling or if you're a spouse of someone with these conditions, you can yeah. be a patient and a caregiver all at once, right? Yes, you're wearing absolutely. two hats. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's super important that we we think outside of just the individual, right? Because people are impacted, right? So uh, one of the people that's been on the board and is a co-founder of the Lymphedema Association of Manitoba, her son has lymphedema. So it's it's a big part of their life. It affects how they they run their household and what they have to do and and even the financial impacts because a lot of the care for, for the therapy that is required for lymphedema and the garments that people wear aren't covered through our public health care system at this point in time. So people have, it, it can be costly and it can be really detrimental. Not everyone can afford to pay for those kinds of services. Well, I want to ask you about the therapy and the garments that you just described. In a moment, uh, we do need to pause and have a look at traffic and weather together. Up next on Mackling and McGarry on 680-CJOB. Susan Stratford is the president of the board of directors, Lymphedema Association of Manitoba, LAM, LAM. They are holding their fifth annual conference and Lymphedemia Awareness Symposium Day. It starts Friday, March the 10th. And as Susan was telling us, that's kind of aimed more uh, at the medical community and caregivers. And then Saturday, there's also a session at Deer Lodge Centre here in Winnipeg. We're learning about lymphedemia what it is and how folks are afflicted with this. And uh, Brett, uh, you asked a question that was, uh, I thought, uh, a terrific one. And because, Susan, you mentioned you're afflicted with lymphedema. Uh, how long have you been dealing with it and, and how did that come about? Um, I've had lymphedema for 18 years now. And it was a result of treatment that I had for breast cancer. 
So that's probably the most known and understood sort of relationship. Uh, people sort of expect lymphedema as a risk factor post breast cancer. It's just it's been a community that has been um, a little bit more vocal and out there and talking about the needs. Um, but I do want to stress that it occurs in so many other situations. So, so that's my personal scenario. But there, I was uh, sharing with you that one of the mums on the board, her son, who's in grade school, has lymphedema, and he was born with lymphedema. Uh, another one of the members of the board has leg lymphedema. She was also born with it, although it didn't come to light till she was an adult. So there's lots of different scenarios that result in lymphedema. Uh, mobility issues can be one of the uh, situations. And obesity is a risk factor. So as we have uh, more struggles in our society with obesity, we're going to see more prevalence of lymphedema. That's what our researchers are telling us. So it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. So what is the therapy for someone with lymphedema? It's a specialized uh, therapy, and there's under 20 or around 20 um, certified lymphedema therapists in Manitoba. So it's a pretty small specialized group uh, that meet the standards for education that's, uh, that are outlined with the, by the Canadian lymph, let me get the name right, Canadian uh, Lymphedema Framework, uh, which is our national body. So, so they outline the training standards, and so there are about uh, just under 20 or so of the, of the therapists. It's like a, I would describe it as a very light massage, right? And then you, you're also, I'm, I'm taught how to do some of that treatment at home as well to try and keep the fluid moving and not pool in the limb that's impacted. Uh, and then we often wear specialized garments, right? And people have more or less control of it. Some people have lymphedema that just comes and goes. Other people, it's very much chronic and always there. Um, and so it, it, it's very variable as a, as a condition, which just brings a little bit more complexity to the, uh, the situation. Well, based on the fact that this is, you know, only your fifth annual mm-hmm. awareness day and, mm-hmm. and uh, th- this would suggest that there's still some education to be delivered to the public, but also to insurance companies and to the government, because based on the fact that you're telling us that your garments are not covered by Medicare, uh, that means that there is more education to be done yes. to the system. Yes, absolutely. We think it's really important for it to be recognized and for some some support, uh, financial and otherwise, and just providers. The vast majority of therapy services are within the private sector versus the public sector. There are some within the public domain, um, most actually dealing with breast cancer folks, which is a, a really good thing for people like me, but not necessarily a good thing for the majority of people with lymphedema. Uh, so we, yeah, we very much are wanting people to become more aware and be more supportive because not everyone can afford the treatment or the uh, the garments that are required to what, manage it. This garment that you're wearing, uh, mm-hmm. would you describe, is, it looks like it's something a, an athlete might wear, like is it like, sort of like a compression yeah, it sort is. of it's sleeve? Yeah, it is. exactly that. It is a compression sleeve and it's uh, it's it's fit to me. So so it, my, my measurements are... are uh, are part of what makes it, right? So it's not off the shelf. It's actually an individualized garment. Uh, But yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it's really designed to keep that fluid moving out of the limb that's impacted. What did it cost you? Uh, 190. So that's that, yeah, that is something that needs to be Every few months. No, every few months? No, (laughs) that's... You need a new one because your your body changes, I guess. Yeah, and it stretches out. Sure. Of course. And that's an arm. Think of a leg. Sure. The website is lymphmanitoba.ca for more information on this symposium symposium or to register. Again, the Lymphedema Association of Manitoba hosting the 5th Annual Lymphedema Awareness Day Symposium. 
this Friday, March 10th, and Saturday, March 11th at the Deer Lodge Center in Winnipeg. Susan Stratford is the President and Board of Directors for the Lymphedema Association of Manitoba. Susan, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you very much. 322 Traffic, Weather, Sports, all up next. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. We just heard the spot on the Golf Expo, and guess what? We have four tickets to give away right now to the Winnipeg Golf Expo on this weekend, Friday to Sunday, March 10th to the 12th, Convention Center. Want to make sure golfers get their hands in this, so here's a golf question, which has to do with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, Which golf club... (laughs) Which golf clubs is Tiger Woods using now that Nike is out of golf equipment? Hey, Tiger Woods, y'all. 204-780-6868 is the number. What golf clubs are Tiger Tiger Woods using now that Nike is out of golf equipment? 204-780-6868. Paw Passion. Stories about your pets. We've been talking about Paw Passion this week, an ongoing series on our pets and the passion that we have for them. Joining us from Mesa, Arizona, a little bit of sunshine, and who could blame them after the week that we've been having here in sunny Manitoba, George Ames. And if you've ever been to the Everett Atrium through there on your way to an appointment or to visit someone in hospital at St. Boniface Hospital, you may have met George and his trusty companion, Rusty. And George, I guess the first First thing is, you know, we, we refer to uh, pet owners, we refer to uh, them as masters. What's the relationship between you and Rusty? Are you just plain and simply best friends? Actually, it's father-son. Father-son, I like that. I like that yes. a lot. Ru- Rusty's my boy. I, I have a, a natural boy, but he grew up on me and has his own family now. And uh, so Rusty has filled our lives for the last 12 years. He came from a shelter uh, 14 years ago, his birthday's today, by the way. He had a shampoo last night, and he looks terrific. So he's definitely, he's definitely part of our family, and he's part of the St. Boniface Hospital family, too. We have a wonderful group of volunteers there, probably 450 or so, I believe, and we have a 10-dog pet therapy program at St. Boniface, which is probably the largest in the province for sure, uh, maybe in Western Canada, I don't know. But anyways, Rusty um, is a favorite of of the staff and the visitors and the patients at the hospital. He's famous for wearing glasses. He wears a pair of dark-rimmed glasses with no lenses. He looks very professorial or whatever the word is. And he makes lots of friends who want to take his picture and shake his hand and give him a little treat. So he has a great time. He misses his friends. He's been down here three months now. And he's anxious to get back to work in his chair at St. Boniface. What kind of dog is Rusty, by the way? Rusty is like you and I. He's a mix. <laughs> he, 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 he's and a bit of unknown heritage too. So, but he does look like a teddy bear, and that's those eyes and that little smile. It just uh, warms people's heart. And and Rusty has a good heart in in many ways. Not only does he does he work at the most famous heart hospital in Winnipeg, St. Boniface, but he has a heart that. Uh, that warms up people's hearts. And and there's a vet down here, a veterinarian guy who checked out Rusty the other day just for fun. And he said, even though he's 14, he's still got a strong heartbeat. So there you go. That's great to hear, George. And maybe just talk about how animals can affect our state of mind. And you mentioned the therapeutic uh, pet program at St. Boniface Hospital. Why do you think that has an effect and, and why has it been implemented? Well, 
Very good question. I think if you if you search the literature on the internet, you'll see that pet therapy is is on the rise, not only at nursing homes where where people bring in their dogs and their babies sometimes, and those are the two things that cheer people up. And in a nursing home, it's the older people, and they remember their dogs they had years ago, and they remember their babies and their grandchildren. It just puts a smile on their face, and uh, it it really does make a difference. Rusty, over the years, did a lot of work up in the palliative care wards uh, and often would sit on a chair or even lie at the end of a bed of a dying cancer patient. And I can tell you firsthand that it brightened them up. They started talking like they hadn't talked in weeks, apparently, about their dogs and about their life. And they would have their family take pictures of Rusty, post them on the on the, on the the wall next to their bed at the hospital. And it was just marvelous to see. We don't do as much of that now. Rusty's getting a little older and doesn't wander the halls as well as he used to, he used to but he's, he's happy to sit in that chair and cheer people up from there. George, Rusty gets all the headlines, but clearly you are there by his side. Every minute Rusty spends at the hospital, uh, you're there with him. Why is this so important to you? Well, we make big money, if you believe that. And it's actually only in biscuits, because a lot of people get a kick out of bringing Rusty boxes of biscuits. So I have had more boxes of biscuits given to Rusty, and we both appreciate that just for fun. Um, But I do it because I enjoy the interaction with people. I see the good that Rusty's doing and I get to chit chat with people about their lives and, and, uh, we see it making a difference and they make a difference in our lives. We get out from it just as much as we give, I believe. Has Rusty ever had an accident in the hospital? Rusty has bladder control and back end control. Like you would not believe he can hold it for what seems like a day and then have about a 40-second squirt and everything is perfect. I only hope that when I'm basically 98 years old, which Rusty is in dog years, that I will have his control and, and have no accidents. So there you go. Well, George, we appreciate you taking some time out of your uh, time away and uh, please wish Rusty a very happy birthday for all of us here in Winnipeg. He has so many friends, as do you, and uh, it was great to catch up with you today. Very good, Greg. All the best. George Ames joining us from Mesa, Arizona. He is uh, Rusty's dad, and uh, Rusty works tirelessly as a volunteer at St. Boniface Hospital. And we've been talking about paw passion this week, our series on pets and the passion passion that we have for them. So a lot of people have passion for this friendly dog. And, oh, you sent me some pictures. I'll have to get a picture up on our (laughs) Facebook page momentarily here of Rusty wearing his trusty glasses. Hey, congratulations, by the way, to Drew Bear, who is today's Golf Expo Passes winner. Four tickets to the Winnipeg Golf Expo, which is on this weekend at the Convention Center. Question was, what golf clubs is Tiger Woods using now that Nike is out of making golf equipment? And the answer is TaylorMade. It is 345 on 680 CJOB. Traffic, weather, and then we'll hear from Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham to tee up the news. All up next. Paw Passion. Stories about your pets all this week on 680 CJOB.